0: You got train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love A revolution to do You got train for me Episode number two, this is a recording of basic preparedness, and it was originally published in 2012. I'm going to read an essay I wrote back in 2012-ish, which is all about basic preparedness. So here it goes. The term prepping refers to the process by which you incrementally increase your level of preparedness for emergency-slash-disaster on a continuum from short-term self-reliance to long-term self-sufficiency. The term preps can be defined as tangible items or systems that you acquire or build and use in prepping. While some people may include intangible things such as weapons training, drills, skill development, etc., in their definition of preps, for the purpose of this piece, the focus is on the physical items." The stereotype that survivalists live alone in underground bunkers in the middle of nowhere is rarely accurate. The media sensationalizes the extreme cases, but the reality is that a holistic family-oriented survival plan involves several locations and several different scales. I've organized the list below in order of scale from the smallest to the largest catches of preps in a pyramidal model to represent the overlapping zones. Number one, the body. Number two, the bug-out bag. Number three, the bug out vehicle Number four, the workplace slash school Number five, the home And number six, the bug out location The body Preppers promote taking some level of responsibility for your safety and security by not only developing self-defense, first aid, and other survival skill sets, but by carrying implements, tools, devices, and supplies on your person at all times. Having preps on your person isn't only so that you can help yourself and your family, it's also so you can help others in need. What you carry on your person is often referred to as everyday carry, or EDC. On this scale, your preps will include an array of smaller survival gear items. The number of items you carry will be determined by the amount of pockets, belt, accessories, carabiners, etc. you're comfortable with. Fashion and function can be hard to reconcile, but it's worth an attempt. Many people walk through the world without a care or thought of the potential for anything to go wrong. The expectation that something bad will never happen to me is a symptom of what is clinically called normalcy bias. This is a psychological tendency to avoid considering and logically preparing for disruptions in modern business-as-usual life. Unfortunately, if we encounter bad guys on the street, chances are police won't arrive on the scene until the incident is over. If we're in a disaster situation, emergency medical responders may not be able to get to us in the time it takes to die or become seriously ill from preventable causes such as bleeding, dehydration, infection, etc. Items often carried every day by preppers may include some of the following. Cutting tools, fire making tools, a multi-tool, parachute cord, LED light, compass, first aid items including band-aids and alcohol pads, whistle, water purification tablets, emergency medical info card, list of emergency contacts, bandana, cell phone with additional charged battery or battery charger, flash drive, Notepad, writing utensil, forever postage stamps, prepaid phone card, cash checks, herbal energy pills, P38 can opener, water bottle, pepper sp- miscellaneous legal self-defense implements. Onto the bug-out bag. The bug-out bag, aka Bob, is the survivalist slang for what is more efficiently known as a 72-hour emergency kit. However, the critical distinction is that a Bob must be in the form of a backpack that can allow you to move on foot, hands-free. On this scale of preps, you may have some of the same items that you'd have for EDC, however in great lengths, quantities, container sizes, etc., as you'll have the main column of the bag plus many extra pockets, compartments, straps, clips, etc. Here's a list of some of the items often found in or attached to Bob's more fire making tools more parachute cord flashlight batteries candles first aid kit extra medications hand crank solar emergency weather radio signal mirror toilet paper tweezers toothbrush miscellaneous toiletries sunblock bug spray warm clothes kept dry and large ziplock bag rain gear gloves hat sunglasses mess kit eating dish slash utensils, lightweight pot for cooking and boiling water, salt and spices, three days' worth of dry food, hooks, sinkers, wild edible plant identification books, bigger water bottle, water filtration devices, five-gallon collapsible water jug, small bottle of bleach, folding shovel, wire saw, sewing needles and floss, pen or pencil wrapped with duct tape, pen or pencil wrapped with fishing line, Full size notebook, envelopes, plastic bags, garbage bags, survival manuals, entertainment devices such as books or games, documentation package including emergency contacts, local emergency service provider phone numbers, evacuation procedures, plans, packing checklists, multiple evacuation routes, encrypted bank account, social security, etc. numbers, list of family medications, medical conditions, etc. Maps, sleeping bags, space blanket, tube tent, thermo-rest pad, tarp, poly sheeting, legal self-defense tools carried in accordance with local law. It helps to separate and categorize your items into Ziploc bags and distribute the bags into different pockets and compartments for easy access. The bags also help keep your gear dry. This sounds like a lot of stuff, but if properly organized and compacted, a lot of it can comfortably fit in slash on a large camping pack. Depending on the nature of the situation, you may want to drop a lot of weight so you can cover more ground on foot. In Saving Private Ryan, a scene in which the translator joins the unit shows how a combat inexperienced soldier tries to pack everything he was issued into his bag for the mission and is made to leave most of it behind by his fellow soldiers. This is a useful bit of insight demonstrating that the more you know, the less you need and that you have to be realistic about your ability to haul more than the bare minimum. Your normal commuting vehicle, which may or may not be your bug-out vehicle, should always contain your Bob so that it will be accessible wherever you drive. Storing it in the trunk also ensures that you'll never forget it at home, and when you need to lighten the load and take a few items out, you can lock them in your trunk or locked box in a truck. Of course, if you're riding a bus, if you're a passenger in someone else's vehicle... Or riding a bike it won't be feasible to bring your bob with you in those situations you'll be relying on edc or a smaller backpack with a selection of items from your bob depending on the situation for example if you're hiking you'd want to grab a selection of items from your bob and put them in your day pack most importantly every member of your family should have a bob and every bob should contain the same version of the documentation package In an emergency, you'll then be able to coordinate your response based on documented protocols that everyone has the current printed version of. The bug-out vehicle. Your bug-out vehicle may be a huge four-wheel drive monster or a compact car. Older diesel trucks are preferable as they have less electrical components that can fail and they can be converted to run on veggie oil. Whatever you prefer and have the means to acquire can serve as your BOV. Though traditionally it's a truck or SUV, All that's required is that it be stocked with extra preps and be equipped with accessories that will optimize performance and provide redundancies in evacuation scenarios. Besides simply scaling up some of your preps, such as a 5-gallon bucket of dry food that preferably doesn't require cooking, or one or more gallons of water, a larger first aid kit, etc., the following are some preps specific to the BOV. Flares, basic tools, spare parts, headlights... Belts, bulbs, etc. Quarts of oil, extra fluids, map books, solar power system, power inverter, spare tires, snow chains, jack, blankets, tent, boots, trenching tool, books, gas can. More legal self-defense tools transported in accordance with local law. Any other large utilities or emergency items that don't fit in or are not appropriate for your Bob, every family vehicle should be to some degree prepped to function as a BOV, even if there's one larger vehicle that's designated as the main BOV. Workplace and school. This refers to the place where most of your time is spent outside of the home, wherever that may be. The goal would be to get your colleagues or co-workers on board with prepping so that they collaborate and pool resources to ensure that there are preps on site. Whether in a basement, storage closet, or under your desk, you should try to get some amount of food-slash-water-slash-medical supply storage set up. If nothing else, try to convince whoever's in charge to at least have emergency kits on site that are sized appropriately for the number of people in your office, dorm, etc. Most likely, if done right, you can store a lot without it being a nuisance and have some sense of security knowing that if you end up stuck there, you won't die of dehydration, starvation, or mild injuries. Home. Without being too extreme, you should see your home as your fort. It's the place where you can let down your guard at night and go to sleep. It's the place where you raise your family or are being raised by your family. It's where you should feel the most safe and secure and where you should have the most control of your survival. Again, many of the prep items you'll want at home have been listed above, but here are some preps that are unique to the home. Large water tanks, rainwater catchment systems, months to years worth of long-term food storage in the form of canned foods, and dry foods stored in 5-gallon buckets with mylar bags and oxygen absorber kits on a rotation system so that you, quote, eat what you store and store what you eat. Greenhouse Permaculture Garden, Food Forest if possible, Irrigation Systems, Herbal Medicine Cabinet, Organic Recycling Center, i.e. Compost, Vermiculture, Humanure, etc. Guard Dogs, Livestock, Food Dehydrator, Canning Equipment, Solar Power System with Battery Bank, More Legal Weapons, Low and High Tech Security Systems, Toiletry Reserves... Fuel reserves, gas, firewood, etc., generator, full camping gear for the whole family, bigger slash more specialized hand slash power tools, fireproof lockbox for important documents, backup computers, backup external hard drives, lots of useful practical instructional books and videos, cash, precious metal reserves, large self-assembled or store-bought emergency kits, etc. Bug Out Location the buckout Location, a.k.a. BOL, or Survival Retreat, is your ultimate destination in the case of forced or voluntary evacuation from your normal place of residence. Ideally, it would be far out of the urban and suburban zones, though not necessarily totally isolated. For those who can afford the luxury, the BOL is a place of rural land that you own and have put some kind of legal, temporary, or permanent inhabitable structure on. Trailer, teepee, yurt, cabin, house, natural building, etc., if you don't have the luxury to buy land, you may discover that you have relatives living in the countryside or friends living on farms with whom you can pre-arrange to stay with under an agreement that you'll pay rent or do work trade. No matter how you gain access to a temporary or permanent living situation for you and your family, what matters is that you have a plan in place. The plan should ensure that you have a main BOL and several fallback locations if the main location is inaccessible, and have multiple routes to each location. It's also important to work out a system whereby if members of your family or group reach a certain rally point, there's a predefined way to post inconspicuous communications about who's reached that point, when they got there, and where they left to. In terms of the scales of preps, the main BOL will often have the largest stockpile of preps when you factor in the ability to hide or bury large caches and the ability to establish permaculture edible food forest gardens, ponds, springs, Streams, swales, woodlots, wind power, solar power, micro-hydro systems, etc. Ultimately, the ideal BOL would be a rural homestead. However, the extent to which it's developed by the time you need it will be determined by how much time, energy, and money you can afford to put into it while you're not actually living on it. In rural zones, the land itself is a prep. The more you do to prep the landscape, the more yields you'll produce that are regenerative. In an apartment or small urban lot, you're usually not able to access and produce renewable resources on the scale needed to be self-sufficient. Urban preps are generally only going to serve for a finite period of self-reliance until the supplies run out. It's worth noting that in both urban and rural contexts, self-sufficiency is rarely achieved on a household level. Rather, it requires the functional interdependence of a small community. Ideally, if you're, quote, bugging out to your bug-out location, You will have taken as many preps from the smaller levels of the pyramid with you as possible so you'll be combining preps as well the bogat location is typically seen as the end point of the game where if you're successful at making it there alive you'll be relatively safe secure and supplied however most preppers acknowledge to varying degrees and extremes that to be prepared while being surrounded by the ill-prepared is a recipe for disaster Generally, the higher the population density, the greater the risk of being jumped, besieged, or raided. The more remote you are, the less likely the ill-prepared will be to expend the energy to find and take your provisions. There is a trade-off, though, which is that the further you are from at least a small town, the fewer services are available. Also, without neighbors, who you may need to rely on to save your life someday, or even just barter with, your survivability and quality of life might be diminished. No individual, family, or group is an island. Ideally, the largest step of the prepping pyramid would be a culture of preparedness wherein redundancy is built into every system that the population relies on for basic survival. It's not utopian. A hundred years ago, it was common sense. During the Cold War, this country had enough grain to feed all of its people for three years in the event of a nuclear winter. Now they have enough to feed all of us half a loaf of bread. Our ancient and recent ancestors had the wisdom to live by the ways of the ant, not the grasshopper. See Aesop's fable, The Ant and the Grasshopper. In the modern survivalist movement, it's accepted that winter is coming again as it has in the past and will in the future. Apocalypse would be an easy way out, but in all likelihood the world will continue to cycle with nature, not end. We'll have to choose to be prepared. Moreover, it doesn't take the end of the world as we know it for any individual or family to experience an acute localized disaster, be it a job loss, an injury, death of a loved one, etc. When the stuff hits your fan, it's your preps that will carry you through in a state of relative comfort and help buffer desperation. It's important while prepping to be creative and make it fun-based, not fear-based. Thanks to the modern survival movement, there's a fail-safe principle built in which essentially states that whatever you do to be prepared for a disaster should improve your quality of life whether or not stuff hits the fan. The best example is growing some portion of your own food. Just avoid panic buying. As with permaculture, the best solutions are slow and small. Continually, incrementally adding to your preps when grocery items go on sale, when you get extra cash, when you can score something on Craigslist, when there's a good yard sale, etc. Start small, make it fun, get into the groove, and you'll enjoy having a more sensible lifestyle that actually empowers you to be an ever more safe, secure, confident, and dutiful cosmic citizen, community member, and family member. Train for me Because I'm training For you We gotta love Love And revolution to do You better Train for me.